So then, 8.14, the two Koreas will hold the first ever joint event today to celebrate the 11th anniversary of the October 4th Inter-Korean Summit that was held in 2007, when then-South Korean President Noh Moo-hyun and then-North Korean leader Kim Jong-il met, adopting a declaration calling for the two to cooperate on building trust, easing tensions and fostering economic cooperation. The rest of the next decade is kind of history now, with conservative back-to-back administrations here, Uh, Certainly not following suit, but also North Korea not doing its bit either to um, maintain friendly ties, it must be said. Uh, Far from it in some horrifying cases. But now we move into another era of cooperation. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo seems confident as he's preparing for his fourth visit to Pyongyang this Sunday. He's spoken of forging a plan not only for a second U.S.-North Korea summit, but also a denuclearization roadmap. We've even heard President Donald Trump joke about falling in love with Chairman Kim Jong-un. But to go beyond the rhetoric, let's welcome Professor Bruce Cummings, historian and one of the most respected experts uh, on Korean affairs from the University of Chicago, whose work includes the origins of the Korean War. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. And when we spoke with you on the day of that historic US-North Korea summit in Singapore back in June, you told us that you'd update your books, or you might have to update them, when and if you see a, a further meaningful development uh, on this peninsula. What's your opinion on, on how things have proceeded since then? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, given the short amount of time since uh, the Singapore summit, I think a lot has happened. Uh, in particular, North Korea has not tested a, a, an atomic bomb or a missile since last November. That seems to be very important for uh, President Trump. Uh, I think the three summits between Moon Jae-in and Kim Jong-un have gone very well. I, I mean, I, I was quite kind of amazed by uh, the last summit when uh, Moon Jae-in uh, addressed a crowd of 150,000 people in Pyongyang and then went to uh, uh with Kim Jong-un. I mean, these, these are symbolic uh, things, uh, the TV and the photos and all of that, but they suggest a a deeper desire uh, toward reconciliation, I think, than at any time in the last, uh, well, since the Korean War. From the U.S. perspective, though, there was um, a bit of a breakdown, frankly, when Mike Pompeo's last planned trip to Pyongyang was cancelled. It does seem to be very much on, no hint of a cancellation going into this weekend. And he seems optimistic. Are you hopeful as well? Yes, I am hopeful, and uh, in particular, uh, Secretary of State Pompeo uh, released a statement, uh, when was it, last week, I guess, uh, saying that uh, things are going very well and that uh, President Trump and Pompeo had, in effect, uh, extended the deadline for North Korea's denuclearization uh, to get it done by uh, the last uh, part of Trump's first term, in other words, in 2021. And I thought that was a, a positive sign because the U.S. had this completely unworkable demand that North Korea denuclearize before anything else happens. And uh, North Korea wasn't going to do that. And, and it, it also isn't going to do anything without uh, reciprocal uh, steps by the United States. They always like that sort of tit for tat. Uh, I would say, though, that I'm not sure what Pompeo's uh, 
real thoughts are on North Korea, but I, I'm pretty sure John Bolton thinks all of this uh, talk uh, and and the summits and all of that, I think he thinks it's going nowhere. And I worry that he might try to sabotage uh, uh, things. He His position on North Korea is that North Korea should disappear. Uh, he told the New York Times uh, that uh, in an interview back in the W. Bush administration, and in general, North Korea pundits and experts inside the Beltway in Washington tend to really see only one thing uh, with North Korea, and that is uh, they want North Korea to give up their nuclear capabilities and the capability uh, to deliver those nuclear weapons. And after that, uh, they just assume that North Korea disappear. Uh, Bolton is much more of a hardliner, but there's a general bipartisan sense that uh, the only worthwhile thing to do with North Korea is to get hold of their nukes. The odd thing, uh, the completely new thing, is that we have a president who doesn't listen to those people. He doesn't really listen to anybody. Uh, he also doesn't know much about Korea. But he looks at Korea with uh, fresh eyes. And I think that's why uh, there's been as much progress as there has been. It's fascinating, isn't it, looking at President Trump from so many different angles, and there are a lot of valid domestic criticisms, but staying with the, the narrower focus of of the Korean Peninsula, when, when he's standing before a crowd in the US joking, and I'm sure he was joking about falling in love with Chairman Kim Jong-un, the thing is some of the print media's response to that puts puts his words in black and white and you don't get any of the nuance of the tone of his voice. But but the fact that he even right. joked about it suggests you know, he feels pretty good about the way things are going with Chairman Kim right now. Well, I think he does like uh, Kim Jong-un. Um, you know, back in uh, the late 90s, uh, in 1998 to 2000, uh, William Perry, former Defense Secretary, uh, was appointed as a kind of roving ambassador for North Korea. And he made a great deal of progress uh, in uh, particularly getting North Korea to keep the freeze on its uh, plutonium facility and, and to uh, perhaps get rid of their medium and long-range missiles. And Perry at the time said, we have to deal with North Korea as it is rather than as we would like it to be. And I remember thinking that was a real breakthrough. But with Donald Trump, uh, I don't know if he likes dictators, uh, but he certainly deals with North Korea. He takes it as it is. Uh, he accepts the fact that this is the way they run their affairs. He's not uh, you know, condemning them for their human rights abuses. Uh, he's not condemning Kim for being an absolute dictator. And this is something entirely new for North Korea. Uh, if you look at the Obama administration, they had a laundry list a mile long of all the things North Korea had to do uh, before we would uh, recognize it or give it aid. Uh, or lift sanctions. I mean, it wasn't just the nuclear issues and the missile issues. It was human rights. It was criminal activity, uh, both, well, in Japan and elsewhere, uh, selling methamphetamine, things like that. And it just went on and on. And I, I thought that that was completely unworkable, and it was. Nothing happened. Obama got nowhere with North Korea. So Trump's uh, approach is, is just uh, uh, something, I think, that has made a, a lot of this progress possible. 
Yeah, I mean, from our point of view, so much of the criticism, it, it can color our opinion of President Trump. But how do you think history will view his role and, and the U.S. role at this point? Because there will be another president, either next term or the term after that. And presumably this process is going to have to take longer than that. Uh, certainly, even if there was a rapid period of denuclearization to, to stay denuclearized and to keep relations friendly. I mean, I think Trump will go down as probably the worst president in American history. Uh, he has the entire uh, Washington elite, uh, the publishing elite, the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, New Yorker, Atlantic, has all of those people against him. Uh, his approval rating is barely over uh, 35%, uh, even though the economy is booming. Uh, I, I think... Fair-minded historians will probably give him some credit for the economy and, and for uh, maybe uh, getting tough on trade with, with China. But generally speaking, uh, it, 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 you know, it's an embarrassment having Donald Trump as, as president. He says something almost every day that is unpresidential. But having said all that, uh, there may be a, a serendipitous aspect to Trump in that he can really... Um, make progress on one of the most intractable and dangerous problems in the world, which is the problem of the Korean Peninsula. And I, for one, would give him a lot of credit for that if it happens. But as we mark today the, the first ever joint event to celebrate the 11th anniversary of that October 4th inter-Korean summit, which was the second ever inter-Korean summit, and it, I mean, in itself, it's astonishing that we've had three more summits this year. It's right. also a reminder of how things can go sour. And, and as a historian, do you, do you feel concerned that we're on an upswing now, but the, the historic or traditional downturn is on its way? Well, I, it's impossible to predict what would happen after Trump and Moon are no longer president, uh, presidents of their countries, because just as you said in your lead-in, uh, President Lee Myung-bak uh, acted as if the second summit had never happened, acted as if uh, the agreement uh, between the U.S. and North Korea that they wouldn't have hostile relations, it acted as if that never happened. But I, I think the second summit, uh, I thought it at the time, and I think it today, it's very important because it, its fundamental uh, aspect or most important aspect was the economic uh, plans to open export zones in Heju and Nampo, reconnect the railways, uh, expand the Kaesong export zone, and really bring uh, at least part of North Korea, the southwestern part of North Korea, into the world economy and into trade with um, with uh, South Korea and, and its neighbors. And I know a couple of people who are close to President Moon, and they say that his overall goal besides denuclearization, uh, I think an even stronger goal is to integrate North Korea economically with South Korea and with the world economy. And, and therefore, in, in the third summit, I thought it was very important that he and Kim Jong-un uh, reaffirmed uh, the agreements that were made back in 2007. So um, I, I just think that's very important on this anniversary. Well, sadly, we are out of time. It's always a pleasure hearing from you, Professor Cummings. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much.